I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. Today's episode is all about how to make better dinners with less fuss. That's my guest Paula's motto and one that I think we can all get behind. Paula is a former chef turned food blogger and YouTuber. She started How to Make Dinner as a way of helping home cooks streamline their dinner making process by introducing them to clever tricks and techniques used in professional kitchens. Also, it has been her lifelong dream to have her own cooking show. Since finishing culinary school in 2005, Paula has cooked in an eclectic variety of kitchens, from luxury hotels to high-volume catering companies to tiny cafes, tree planting camps, and even a 92-foot sailboat. It's these quirky experiences that have given Paula a unique perspective on which corners to cut and when. Paula doesn't believe in rush cooking because that can feel like a chore, but she is 100% about simplicity and making the most out of what you have on hand. If you're anything like me and a bit over this whole having to make three meals a day every day for everything right now, <laughs> I know you're going to love Paula's tips today. This week's recipe of the week is my spaghetti with garlic and oil or aglio e olio as it's called in Italy. I mentioned this super easy five ingredient pasta dish in today's chat and absolutely butcher the Italian pronunciation. I'm sorry guys, but I'm back for redemption. This is my all time favorite pasta dish and I try to have it at least once every other week. Simple, flavorful, quick food at its best. Get the recipe along with all of the links we discuss in today's episode by visiting cookitrealgood.com slash 49. Now let's dive in. Hi, Paula. Welcome to the Cook It Real Good podcast. Hi, Cassie. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. Now, before we get into today's chat, can I ask you, what is your signature dish, the one that everyone says, Paula, you have to make this for us? Ooh, this is such a tricky one, but I think if I had to choose, I would go with my simple summer spaghetti, which... I, I call it my life-changing summer spaghetti because it was the spaghetti that I learned the importance of salt while making it. So it was the first time I really noticed how big of a difference seasoning the pasta water made to your final product. I learned the spaghetti at, a, a, at an Italian restaurant that I did a shift at one time, and I just had to make order after order after order. And then the one that I forgot the salt in the water, it was like so obvious. It tasted like absolutely nothing. And that was the first moment where I really clued in. I was like, oh, that's what they mean by seasoning the pasta water. It's, it's amazing. So it's so simple. All it is is fresh, really, really ripe summer tomatoes, garlic, fresh basil, olive oil, and a bit of Parmesan cheese and spaghetti. And it's literally my favorite thing to eat all summer long. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Do you have that one on the blog? I do. Yep. And there's a video for it as well. Oh, awesome. We're going to have to link that. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm anything pasta I'm in like you, you didn't even have to explain it. I was like, oh, spaghetti. Yes. I'll have a bowl. 
Yeah, I kind of find it hard to relate with people who don't like pasta. I know that's a bit harsh, but I have talked to people. Oh yeah, there are people that are like, oh, I don't like pasta or I don't like mashed potatoes. Like I just, I just don't get these people. (laughs) No, get out of my life. I don't need that negative energy. (laughs) Totally. Now, Paula, before we get into today's topic, I also wanted to ask you a bit about your background because you've had you know, a bit of an interesting background. You've, you've actually gone to culinary school and you've worked as a chef. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So when I was growing up, all I watched was cooking shows on TV and all I really thought about was food all the time. (laughs) And so, uh, when I got into high school, I just, I went into all the cooking courses that I possibly could. I was cooking tons at home. I can remember, rolling pasta on like a tablecloth that I'd laid out on my living room floor at one point. And my mom came home and was like, what are you doing? I was probably nine years old. I was just so into it. So it was always clear to me that cooking was my thing. And uh, when I finished high school, I kind of went through the usual like oh, you can't be a cook because it doesn't pay very much and you really need to get a real job and do a real education. So I tried that and then it didn't work. So I, I just went to cooking school after that. Um, and yeah, I've cooked in some pretty wild places from really big hotel kitchens doing giant banquets to a little sailboat that I worked on for six weeks that went to Alaska and back and tree planting camps and tiny cafes. And I've kind of cooked in such a weird collection of places that I I feel like I have some pretty unique experience when it comes to finding shortcuts and, you know, knowing which corners to cut and finding little efficiencies. (laughs) So that's my background. I did have a food blog for a short time back in 2011, which I always say is the time when you're supposed to start a food blog, (laughs) but I didn't keep it going at all. At that point, I didn't know what a food blog really meant. And so I didn't keep it going. And I, I took another stab at it in 2018, which is not when you're supposed to start a food blog, but it's better late than never. And here we are today. So I've got the blog and the YouTube channel. I love that varied background. I, I, th- I can just imagine that it would have been particularly trying to make some, some dishes like on, yeah, a boat. That would have been an interesting <laughs> <The> experience. Boat. <laughs> the boat was crazy. I mean, when we're out at sea and the waves are just like tipping the thing like crazy. And I've literally, I'm like in a full, almost in the full splits, just trying to stand up while I'm like chopping carrots. And at one point I did, a, it was like a baked lemon pudding that was baking in the oven in a water bath and we hit crazy, crazy turbulent water and the whole thing was just all over the oven. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it presents some interesting challenges, that's for sure. Well, today we're going to harness all of those experiences that you've had and get all of those tips for those shortcuts and you're going to tell us how to make dinner better with less fuss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's that's pretty much my motto. I love that motto and I'm actually all about that. Like not no one even if you love cooking and like I mean we're food bloggers, we love cooking, but you don't want to be in the kitchen for hours using pot after pot, cleaning up for hours. Like when we eat, we want it to be as efficient 
and delicious as possible. Like <laughs> there's a bit of both Definitely. ways there. So I'm yeah. really excited about today's topic. And I thought you kind of touched on it earlier, but I wanted to sort of delve a little bit more into the importance of salt in cooking and I guess pepper as well while we're at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Well, I mean, it's kind of known as salt and pepper cooking, I guess, just because it's the idea of just cooking with very minimal kind of basic seasonings and then just your basic ingredients. So you're, you're pulling the flavor out of whatever it is you're making, whether that's some roasted carrots or some uh, pasta, like I talked about earlier, or even just sprinkling a little bit of salt on tomatoes to make them just, just taste like incredible. Um, I, I'm a big fan of it. It's, it's, I don't think you need to have a cupboard full of spices and, you know, exotic flavorings to make a really, really good dinner. And I actually think that if you really get good at cooking with just salt and pepper, you will be a good cook. Like that is kind of the test. It's funny because there's some things that I, I know have just tasted way better with salt and pepper and that's it. So I'm thinking about like, I, when I oven bake chicken thighs, I only ever use salt and pepper. I don't even put any seasoning other than that on it. And they just become so flavorful and juicy and the skin is always like so crispy. And yeah, I just, I, in my experience, I think that really does elevate a dish enough that you don't need to, pour heaps of seasonings over it just get it to taste delicious definitely oh my god chicken thighs baked with lots of salt is so nothing beats that now that's what i want and also i also love how um with chicken thighs specifically and legs i love cooking them really for a really long time you know cooking them way past when they're actually technically cooked like I'll do thighs for a good 45 minutes in a hot oven with lots of salt and they're just, the skin is so crispy and all the fat renders out and they're so juicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, delicious. <laughs> Sometimes when, when I do cook them, I put the veggies underneath them and so that all of the fat that comes out of it goes into the veggies and then, oh, now I'm stopping. See, that's, that's <laughs> like using the fat. That's like using the chicken fat as a whole nother ingredient. So that's such a good example of salt and pepper cooking, you know? And I know what you mean about the pasta sauce as well. Like I feel kind of silly for how long in my life I didn't salt my pasta water. In fact, I think that there was a period that I was going through where I was putting oil in it. Oh man. Oh yes. I remember that time. Those days. <laughs> Thank gosh those days are over. And yeah, the salt just makes such a difference, especially if you're using that pasta water to then um, bring your sauce and your pasta together at the end. Oh, add so much flavor in. So good. Now, one thing that I have seen, well, a tip that you've given is to keep like quick sauces and dressings on hand. Now I'm sort of a bit of a novice at making my own sauces and dressings. If I'm making a salad dressing, I'll usually do like an, oil and vinegar and oil or lemon and just leave it at that. So I'm curious to pick your brain about how we can make these quick sauces and dressings to make dinner easier. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm all about a quick little yogurt sauce type thing or a mayonnaise based kind of creamy dressing slash dip. And one of my favorites is just 
yogurt, lemon juice, a little bit of dill. I mean, if you have fresh, that's great, but even dry works and just salt and just shake that up in a jar. And I kind of feel like everything you make will taste better with that stuff dumped all over it. (laughs) So whether it's like those chicken thighs with a bit of rice or some roasted peppers and sweet potatoes or anything, like I literally can't think of anything that isn't improved by a quick yogurt sauce like that. Um, There's also, I'm a big fan of nutritional yeast. I don't know if that's really big in Australia, but I know a lot of people have commented on my videos that they don't see it a lot, even in some parts of the States, but I guess I live in a, in a pretty granola-y, nutritional yeasty part of the world. <laughs> but uh, nutritional yeast makes a really, really great creamy sauce as well. So just with some oil and uh, cider vinegar and soy sauce, and you just blend it up, and it just, it's so good. It's like this rich kind of meaty, salty dressing that you can just pour on anything and you've got an instant delicious dinner. I just did a video actually that went out yesterday that was about this, what I call the three S's. So it's salt, sauce, and sprinkles and how you can make anything taste better with either salt, sauce, or sprinkles. And by sprinkles, I mean like toasted breadcrumbs, chopped nuts, you know, flaked almonds, Parmesan cheese, something sprinkled on top. So I guess it all falls under the same category of just making things delicious with very basic items that you keep on hand. (laughs) I'm going to have to link that video for sure. And I'm going to to check it out after this. What I was thinking just then is yes, nutritional yeast is beginning to be a thing here in Australia for all of my Aussie listeners. You'll be wanting to check the health food aisle of Woolies or Coles because it's always in there. Um, But yeah, it's interesting. And I I would imagine if you're in the States, if you were going to like a Whole Foods or maybe even Trader Joe's would have it now. I don't know. But it is becoming more popular. It's kind of used as like a cheese alternative for vegans. Am I right in that? Yes. I see a lot of like like vegan cheese, like with a Z, you know, where where they... (laughs) It's like ground up nuts with nutritional yeast and some maybe salt or something. And it, it's like a Parmesan cheese-like crumble, which is mm. delicious. That sounds good. Yeah, I, um, I've had it with popcorn before, but yeah, I, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to try the sauce. And I like your idea about the, the yogurt dressings. I've... I really haven't delved that much into it. Like I, I, I make like tzatziki regularly um, mm. because I do like a lot of great cooking. But yeah, other than that, I love your idea of, yeah, just like keeping it simple, but really elevating whatever we're putting on our plate. Yeah. Now I wanted to ask you as well. So you aren't vegetarian and neither am I, but I have actually made it. And I've talked about this on the pod already. I've made my goal for 2020 to eat less meat. Uh, and it's going very well, <laughs> especially when there was a period during this pandemic when we couldn't get meat anyway. So <laughs> right. that was forced. No, but um, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I, my personal reasons were for environmental reasons. I kind of thought that it probably would help if we just ate a little less. Um, and even my husband's come along for the ride, even though he's a huge meat eater too. So that's been interesting. And so, yeah, it's been fun trying to find different ways to make our classic meat favorites into 
like veggie options. But um, I thought I'd pick your brain being with your chef background as well. Do you have any tips for how to eat less meat? Yeah. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the eat less meat movement, if you call it that. I love, I'm all about non-restrictive eating. So I mean, I want what I want (laughs) and I eat what I want for the most part. I mean, I love a burger, like nothing is better than a burger in certain moments in life. (laughs) And I I don't want to say no to that um, ever. Although veggie burgers are great too. It's just a different thing. So my feelings about kind of eating meat in in the day-to-day dinner making realm is like, there are so many occasions when it's just not necessary. So like, I think a, a white bean and kale stew is just exactly the right thing at a time when you know, I might be reaching for like a chicken and or a sausage stew of some kind. Like there's these easy swaps where something that would normally be meat based is so much easier, cheaper, and some would argue healthier to just do the veggie version. So using beans and lentils and, and uh, these are kind of some of the more obvious ones. But I think for me, like when I'm craving what, when I think about eating meat, I think about having something substantial, like something I can really sink my teeth into. And you can often get that same satisfaction from like a patty, like for example, a a fritter. Like I saw you had a zucchini and carrot fritter. Was that on your, yeah, yeah, yeah. On your blog. Something like that is, oh, I mean, that is just a satisfying if not more than like a piece of grilled chicken, if you ask me and and like dunk it in a little bit of yogurt sauce on the side and bingo. (laughs) That's the stuff. Like I actually would prefer that to grilled chicken, (laughs) but But you're right. Like if you pick the things that you, you don't want to, um, I'm what's the word that I'm looking for negotiate with like yours is burgers and like I'm trying to think (laughs) of what one of mine is like maybe like bacon and something (laughs) like maybe sometimes I just need the bacon but yeah if it comes to foods that I'm like I'm eating this just to be healthy which would be like a grilled chicken dinner or something like that then I would I would easily substitute that for a veggie dish that I'm excited about because it doesn't matter to me if that's on the table or not Definitely. I think it's just about kind of loosening our ideas of what a complete meal is or what a dinner looks like, you know? And I love something really substantial like a patty or a fritter or a burger. (laughs) So there's a lot of ways to get that in a meatless way. Um, Another, another thing that I really love is like a big bowl of pasta. Like I, I do not, there's almost no room for meat in a big bowl of pasta for me. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like, it's it kind of competes almost um i mean except for maybe a carbonara where you got to have that pork product <laughs> but yeah um yeah it's like it's hearty enough as it is you know without adding meat to it and i also love i mean i have a friend here who is a butcher and it has this beautiful butcher shop and yeah everything's a little bit more because they go and get animals from nearby farms and they're very, very well cared for and it's very high quality grass fed everything. And so you pay a premium for that. But I I like paying that premium (laughs) when 
I know that it's the only meat I'm buying and I'm, I'm putting a lot of, I'm treating, I'm going to treat it really well. It's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a special occasion because, you know, every other night of the week I was eating beans and lentils and fritters. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can spend a little bit more when you're uh, yeah, saving so much money on those other meals anyway, because I think we all know that those veggies and lentils and beans are, are much cheaper. Yeah. I think you get into trouble when you're just buying, you know, family pack after family pack of boneless, skinless chicken breasts. Cause it's all you know how to do, or it's all your family will eat. Like that's, um, I think that's a more unsustainable approach to eating meat for sure. Yeah. And I agree with what you said about the pasta as well. Like spaghetti bolognese used to be like my biggest thing. Like, Oh, I love it. And I eat it like, you know, at least a couple of times a month. Mm. I didn't, now that I've been eating less meat, I don't even have the taste for it. Like I much prefer meatless pasta options. So mm. we ha- we make like a lentil bolognese, which is like meaty enough and hearty enough that you don't feel like you're missing it. Cause sometimes like if you were just to have tomato sauce, that wouldn't really feel like you've got anything in it. Um, and then, I mean, I, I just love aglio e olio. Spaghetti mm. and oil with the garlic and best. oil anytime. That's like my goat. <laughs> the oh. simplest thing in the world, but I love that. <laughs> it is the simplest and the best. It's so, so good. Mm. Yeah. Delicious. Now, our next discussion point is about why the casserole deserves a comeback. And you've got me intrigued here. Now, this is something that I would use meat for. So I'm curious to hear your take on it. Yeah, I think, I guess the casserole was just, it's something that people definitely think of like, you know, dinner clubs from the 70s, 80s. (laughs) I love a casserole. I just think that it's one of the best ways to use up a bunch of stuff in your fridge and come up with creative ways to combine it and then put a bunch of cheese on top and bake it in the oven and then probably finish it with some hot sauce. Like, I don't care what's in that casserole. I want it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I like, I want this, um, whether it's like, you know, roasted veggies or something to do with, uh, old, it's one of my favorite ways to use up leftover grains. Like if I've cooked a bunch of rice or brown rice or something, and it's just sitting there left over, I'll just toss it with the whole contents of my fridge. And instead of making a soup, which most people, or I think a lot of people would just jump to, Oh, throw it in a soup bake it into a casserole. (laughs) It's so nice. And it's another one of those kind of substantial feeling things that can really be like at the center of your dinner plate and make you feel like you're having a really hearty dinner, even if it's just a bunch of brown rice and maybe some greens and whatever bits and pieces you had left over. I love that low and slow cooking too. It seems to bring out so much flavor when you're making like a casserole or a stew. Um, Definitely. And I find that like you, if you are going to use like a meat in it, this is when you really can use some of those cheaper cuts that are like fattier. Um, Cause when they're cooking slowly, they're going to yeah release a lot of flavor mm. into the whole meal and bring it together. So I like your idea of throwing in some cooked grains and things like that, though. I've, I haven't tried that in my experience, so I'll have to give it a go. Yeah, I just um, I have flashbacks to when I was a kid in the 80s and I would go to these potluck dinner parties and it was just, 
you know, a 20 casserole dishes down the middle of the table. And they were also kind of weird, but interesting. And I don't know. I just, I think that it's time for a comeback. I like it. All right. Well, that's, <laughs> I hope to see a lot more casseroles coming out on my Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. I don't know why. I mean, I've done this before where I've predicted food trends. I don't know if the casserole is going to be one of them, but I mean, if it does come out, you heard it here first. <laughs> but um, I, I predicted a lot. Like I, I remember that before the donut thing happened, I had this moment where I was like, I need to open a donut shop like now, like tomorrow will be too late. And then you know, a year or two later, there were donut shops everywhere, all over the city, trendy ones with fun names and cool flavors. I'm like, oh, miss that boat. All right, Paula, let's go all in. Let's open up a casserole <laughs> shop. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> Sometimes I think about that. Like, I just love to have like my own cafe where I just make like whatever I want every day. Yes. <laughs> I would go there. I would go there for lunch. I would enjoy it. This is what I was feeling like. So this is the only option. You can have it. Take it or leave. (laughs) I love those kind of places though. They're so fun. (laughs) Now, lots of people, I guess, um, you know, especially if they're listening to this podcast, we're talking about people who some of, some of us are really, really, uh, skilled cooks who are just looking for tips, but some, some people are like really at the start of their cooking journey. And they're just getting used to new flavors and new ingredients. Do you have any tips for people who are like, yeah, starting off at the start of their cooking journey and trying to learn more and, and be more adventurous in their cooking, but have possibly just stayed with like, say, a few classic recipes that they knew, like a spaghetti bolognese or something like that? Yeah, I'm kind of, lately I've been really into ingredient deep dives. <laughs> so, you know, going every time you go to the grocery store, you maybe pick one new thing and just kind of buy a few of them. Like say it's a fennel or something like a kohlrabi or a jicama, um, something that you're just completely unfamiliar with and just try using it in a few different ways. So just really get to know that ingredient. So, I mean, obviously with food blogs, we're all about recipes, but my cooking background, you know, professional cooking background, we, we weren't really all about recipes. We were all about learning, learning about how to work with ingredients and learning how to put things together in a way that, that tasted good (laughs) without recipes. So I think this is a little bit of that kind of coming through, like just really exploring something. So if you buy a fennel for the first time, you know, try roasting it, try tossing it with some pasta, try making a soup with apples, um, and just kind of feel it out. And then, and then I feel like it opens up a whole new kind of range of possibilities. Same thing with seasonings and spices. I mean, you can see these uh, certain spices trending at a certain time. You know, za'atar is really popular right now and sumac and these kind of Middle Eastern spices, things like nutritional yeast even, you know, just buy it and try it in a lot of different ways. And of course, food blogs are a great way to get inspiration for those Um, but I think it's just a way of becoming more confident is to know and understand ingredients the way they are and also taste them when they're raw. I think that's a big one. A lot of people are afraid of, of the unfamiliar, but, uh, so many, you know, like lately I've been into jicama again, which was really popular in, I I guess in the nineties. I remember when I was watching cooking shows, everyone was talking about jicama 
And it's still there, you know, it's still in the grocery store. I can still buy it. And it's so good. And I just completely forgot about it. And now I'm like, oh, jicama and watermelon salad and jicama slaw and throw that on a on a sandwich with a grilled piece of tuna. Like there's so many cool things you can do. Um, so yeah, I'm into exploring an ingredient at a time to kind of build confidence. I really like that. And it kind of makes it a bit more fun too. Like the challenge when you pick up something different, it's like, okay, for the next like week or two weeks, I'm going to try and, you know, make two or three dishes that have this component in it. And let's see what those look like. And that, that is when your, your food blogs can come into it because you can do a Google. Um, Yeah. Lots of food blogs these days have an ingredient search too. So if you, I just want to know how to use an ingredient. My blog has that. (laughs) Yours does, doesn't it? I'm actually on your blog right now. (laughs) Mine doesn't. So I think I'm a a little bit behind on a few things blog wise, but I'll tell you how to get it after this. It's a secret. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. That's so helpful. That's so helpful. Especially because certain bloggers like you're in Australia, there's going to be ingredients that you probably have more experience with than other bloggers. So, uh, you know, it's a, you're maybe a good place to go look for. I'm not sure of an example right now. Vegemite. Let's like throw Vegemite. something really old. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. We haven't even talked about Vegemite and Marmite. This is a, <laughs> Don't even stop, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> That's a passion topic for me. <laughs> I'm a Marmite person. Just get it out of the way. I love Marmite and I really don't love Vegemite. <laughs> No, you can't. We've got to cut this conversation here. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can open my mind to Vegemite a little bit. I think it's, it's uh, like, it's such an acquired taste, like either of them. Like if you were not like eating Vegemite or Marmite, whichever one it was when you were a kid, like there's no hope that you're going to like it as you get older. Yeah. And I've, I know some people who, you know, come to Australia to, and like, you know, go, oh, I'll try it. And the thing that always cracks me up is like, they'll put it on a piece of toast, but they'll like spread it. Like it's Nutella oh. <laughs> and, and Vegemite and Marmite either, or they're, they're more like a sparing scrape. Yes. Like <laughs> scrape it on. You got to scrape still it real see thin. A lot of butter around. Like it's gonna <laughs> just be a yeah. little bit. <laughs> it's an enhancer more yeah. than yes. lather. Yeah. <laughs> so I it's always funny find that funny. <laughs> I love that. I actually didn't try Marmite until I was in my thirties and oh, I loved it right away. Well, and then my, my boyfriend hadn't tried it either until I introduced it to him and he loves it too. So, well, there's hope but, for everyone then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, that new, new ingredient, I'm happy to, um, yeah, take on that challenge myself. I think there's a few that I've been, uh, holding off working with for a while. And I think I just need to bite the bullet and give it a go myself. So uh, you've put me onto the challenge. I think I'll have some fun during this isolation period and Good, yeah. get cooking and playing around with new things. Yeah. Is there any other tips that you have for home cooks to make better dinners at home? Ooh, I think my biggest tip is to just kind of chill out about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't worry about it. I mean, making mistakes, if there's anything you're going to make mistakes on, food is one of the best things to make mistakes on because you're going to need to eat more of it again later. And so you have another chance to, to, to get it right. And 
it's just kind of a fun process. I mean, I've been making a lot of sourdough lately, which I'm not a sourdough expert at all. And my loaves of sourdough are coming out like pretty wild, pretty wild, you know, (laughs) there's nothing perfect about them, but it's about the journey. And, you know, if you mess it up, it'll probably still be edible and try again tomorrow and you'll just get better and better. And I guess just don't worry about it so much. There was something that you said earlier that I liked as well, which was um, about sort of like ditching what you think is dinner should look like because oh, yeah. it, dinner is like whatever you want it to be. <laughs> so exactly. If tonight it's, it's not meat and three veg and a grain or whatever it is, like if it's just a pile of like mashup of leftovers out of the fridge into like a salad or whatever it is, like that's okay. You can just you have permission you're an adult you can cook whatever you want for dinner. <laughs> that's the best thing about being a grown-up is you get to do whatever you want <laughs> i i'm so into having like canned beans on toast for dinner i'll do scrambled eggs i mean any night of the week just straight up i love it yeah so those are the and those are the kind of dinners that that free up more kind of creative energy and just energy period for for those other nights when you want to buy like a really nice piece of meat and really, really spend some time giving a lot of love to your dinner. <laughs> yeah. Those scra- when you, your scrambled eggs just reminded me of the video that I watched of you making scrambled eggs. And since then I have not been cracking my eggs on the side of bowls. <laughs> uh, no way. I can't believe that. that okay. Cause when I showed that I'm like, people, people already do it this way. No, I did it. <laughs> I mean, it's so much better though, right? Yes. Yes. I'm converted. All about the flat surface. It's like, oh, I'm so glad you said that. (laughs) (laughs) So I was hooked. And yes, those, those scrambled eggs look delicious. I have to give it a try. I haven't made scrambled eggs in ages, but yes, when I am making eggs, I've been hitting them on my counter and not my bowl. (laughs) Amazing. I love hearing that. So you do have your own YouTube channel, which I've just mentioned. Um, So where can people find you? What's that? What do they need to search to find that? What's your blog? Yeah. So I'm, I was lucky enough to get, uh, when I decided I wanted to just show people how to make dinner and I did a Google search and I was like, Oh, how to make dinner.com is available. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm at How to Make Dinner on all the networks. So Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, even um, Instagram, and YouTube is How to Make. I'm just How to Make Dinner, which is different from How to Cook Dinner, which I get a lot. <laughs> but it's easy um, to remember, and I love that that was available. Like half the struggle of having a food blog now is trying to find a name. It's yeah. impossible. <laughs> And I heard you on the Chopped podcast, and I know that you went through a big shift with your name. <laughs> so, I, so you know about that. Oh, yeah. Like, I remember sitting there just like, oh, what about this? And then you go, oh, someone's going to, what about this? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I've had such a lovely time chatting with you, and I've, I've loved your tips today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. My first podcast. <laughs> I've had such a good time. And I look forward to chatting again. I 
had a blast chatting with Paula and I must say I've spent the last few weeks binge watching Paula's YouTube channel. If you haven't checked out any of her videos yet, now is the time. Paula does cooking show style videos that are filled with tips and tricks that will help you create delicious meals effortlessly night after night. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you get the chance. And that's it from me. Have a great week and don't just cook, cook it real good. Bye.